How is everybody doing today? Aren't you glad that long, hard, cold winter is over? And we now have temperatures in the high 80s with high humidity? Oh, isn't it great? Yeah, you can have it. My name is Gary, and uh, I want to welcome everybody out, especially if you're visiting with us today. I want to let you know we're happy to have you here. We do have a bunch of people gone today. I don't know if you folks noticed that or not. Um, it's more noticeable during opening because there's not as more many people in the auditorium, you know what I'm saying? Some people linger to come in, but uh, a lot of people gone. EJ, you made it on time today. It's good to see you. Last time I was up here, I was three-fourths of the way done, and EJ drove past the window over there. Welcome back. <laughs> but anyway, guys, a uh, bunch of the people are gone. Uh, we have primary camp starting this week down at Little Prairie Bible Camp. Those are the cheers of parents with children who are going to be gone. Okay? That is a wonderful time. But Tim is actually, Tim, the guy who's normally up here speaking, he is uh, directing the week of camp. We have a number of teenagers and uh, college-age students, as well as, I guess, some adults that are, have not, if they're not already down there, they're going down, and it's a pretty exciting time. They told me I have to be done by 11.30 today, right, because that's when the van's leaving, right? So if, you, if I go long and people are getting up believing that's what's going on, okay? I'm not known for being long. But since we got camp on our mind, we would like to let you guys know about teen camp that is coming up. It is June 22nd through the 28th. Three weeks from today it starts. We do this camp all by ourselves. Uh, staff it, man it, the whole deal. And uh, one of the things that we always run into, we have a kind of a, an unwritten policy. We don't have many written policies around here, by the way. So we have a policy that says we don't want any teenager to miss out on camp that wants to go to camp. And uh, for that to take place, uh, we need some of you to help take care of them. And uh, we ask you if you would like to help donate, maybe sponsor a child to go to camp. I believe it's $160 for the whole week. If you would like to sponsor a whole child, if you'd only like to sponsor half a child, that's $80. And uh, you can either give that money to Mike Denius. Is Mike in here? Mike's right there with the blue shirt. Or if you just put it in the plate and write on the memo um, for, for team camp. Uh, we'll make sure we get the money and we go from there. It's always Guys, it is wonderful to know. I mean, honestly, uh, asking for money is, is, is not a comfortable subject. But when I, you're asking for camp, it's never a problem. And I just want to commend you folks for that. It's just, it's just awesome to see the hearts and the desires of you people to help the younger people. And that's cool. So anyway, Tim has been talking about his sermon series he's in the middle of. is called Why? Asking the question of why. Answering why do we do things the way we do? Why does God say to certain things? And today, guys, we're going to be talking about I mean, probably the most popular why question there is when it comes to uh, asking God that question about why bad things happen. I mean, I don't think there's, if there's any time in your life when you're going to ask the question why, it's when something bad has happened. Is that not right? Why did I lose my job? Why am I getting divorced? Why? Are the bill collectors calling? 
Why am I sick? Why did my loved one die? Guys, that question is the most popular question. And I just got to kind of preface this because I'm no deep theologian. All right? I tell people that Tim, that's normally up here, is the preacher, and I'm the talker. And Tim says, Gary, you have a way of putting things very simply. I don't get real deep because it doesn't really matter if, if, if you understand the deep theological truths of that, well, things, bad things happen because evil is in the world and we live in a fallen world, which is all true. But if you can explain that in the most intricate way, it usually doesn't do much to help a person who's hurting. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I like to try to make things as practical as possible. And I have a, I have a, a, a belief of my own. And that is that the majority of the Bible is very simple to understand. We make it more complicated than it needs to be most of the time. And so, guys, that's really the approach I'm going to take here today on, on why bad things happen. And what we want to do is look at a few simple things. And this is, I'm just going to tell you that this is a, a two-part lesson. Uh, I'll be telling you about next week later on in the lesson. But uh, it's going to be continuing on. And then next week is going to be, tend to be more of the practical side. Of, well, what, what do I do with this information? I've got something difficult I'm dealing with right now. Because, I mean, when I look at this room, and, I, and I, as I was thinking about this room and thinking about this lesson, and, you know, I spoke generally just a minute ago about when we asked the question why about what bad things happen. But, you know, guys, in a room this size, I mean, I know. I could, have, I, could have, I could ask people to raise hands, and I'd see, I'd see the majority of our hands go up if I started asking questions like, who's had a loved one die in the past year? Who's had a loved one die unexpectedly? Whose life has been touched by cancer in the last year or the last week? Who's lost a job? Okay. Who's, had, who's going through a divorce or has went through a divorce in the last year? Who's had a child decide they didn't want to follow Jesus anymore? And I know I'm not alone in that, okay? That's one of the things that I've learned from that. Guys, what do you do with this? I asked to do this lesson. I told Tim, I said... I think I need to talk about this. And I'm going to talk about it more next week, because honestly, I mean, today, today is really kind of a theory, if you will. And then next week, we're going to get more into the nuts and the bolts of what's going on. But guys, we want to look and say, what's going on? Why is this happening? Guys, that's not a question that I've asked a lot. I'll be honest with you. And this lesson kind of flows out of that, because I knew a lot of the answers. That doesn't make it any easier. But guys, knowing the answers does help. And so guys, we want to we look at some things here. And, and, and keep, I'm going to keep it very basic. You know, what does God have to say about bad things that happen? The first thing is that bad things are going to happen. It's pretty plain. Bad things are going to happen. Need I say, the bumper sticker from the 80s is correct. Yeah, y'all know that. You guys know what it is? You don't know, do you? I can't say it. 
Things happen. Guys, that is just the truth of the matter. And, you know, I, I alluded to earlier that, you know, the deep theological thing about, well, evil is in the world and we live in a fallen world. But that is just the truth of the matter. If you go through life thinking, hey, I'm following Jesus, nothing bad should ever happen to me, you're going to have a difficult time with things. You are going to be sorely disappointed because God has told us something entirely different. In fact, and this isn't in your notes, this isn't on the screen, this is something I just added this morning, but in Genesis chapter 3, after what they call the fall of man, that's where Adam and Eve first sinned, and God showed up to say, hey, uh, what happened to you guys? And then he gives them a curse. And this is the curse he gives to, to Adam and to all of us through him. He says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the fields. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Guys, what is he saying? Life is going to have problems. Now, I understand. The mo I'm not sure we even have a farmer in the room tonight. Is there anybody that claims to be a farmer in here? No, no. We have a retired farmer who does show up sometimes. Jim, you don't see him in here right now. But guys, did you know, I, this was a difficult concept, but it helped me when I finally figured it out. I have thorns and thistles in my life, even though I'm not a farmer. I have difficulties in my life. And that's what God's saying. Not all of us are farmers, but yet we still eat. What does that mean? It's going to be difficult during a living. It's going to be a challenge. He wasn't destining us all to be farmers. We haven't beat this curse because we're not farmers. Okay? He's promising that there are going to be problems. Because you live in this world, you're going to have problems. This is what Jesus said in John 16. He says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. What's he say? You're going to have trouble. Things are going to happen. You want to get a little more specific? In 1 Timothy 3, this is what it says. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Guys, God's very plain about it. If you've bought into to, 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 to a, to a belief system that says, if I follow Jesus, everything is going to be wealth, go well for me, you've been lied to. There is no health and wealth religion where if you follow Jesus, you will be healthy and wealthy. That sounds good, doesn't it? It's just not true. It's not true. Every one of us are going to have to deal with problems. You see, guys, one of the things you've noticed when it comes to parenting, there's two ways you can react with parenting, or two ways you can approach parenting. Or, I guess there's more than two. But one of the ways, you've seen the parents who try to protect their children from everything. They don't want their children to expose anything. They don't want their children to, to be... To, to be to experience pain, if at all possible. And then there's another approach that says, this is a painful world. Let's help them to learn how to deal with pain. Guys, one of the things 
that I, as a parent, and I've told you, I spoke it for years, that, you know, as, as a result of, uh, of my, my depression during the early years of being a parent, I was a negligent parent. And I did not, I mean, when it came to teach them to follow Jesus, I, I was negligent. That's all there was to it. And making up for lost ground. But one of the things I understood very clearly is that when a child makes a mistake, it's an opportunity to teach. When a child is dealing with something difficult, whether they've been treated unfairly or unjustly, it's a chance to teach them. And guys, it's the same way with us when it comes to following Jesus. We're better off understanding that we are going to have problems and learn how to deal with them than we are to pretending we're never we're supposed to have problems. So guys, that's the first thing. And guys, honestly, the, the, the Bible is chalked full of stories. You want to know why you should read your Bible? It's so that you have a clearer picture of God. You see, because God's people, the guys He holds up as, as the most faithful followers of Him all through the Bible, their lives were chalked full of problems. Did you know that? I mean, my favorite character in the Old Testament is a guy named Joseph. And if you're familiar with it, Joseph, go read it. It's in, in the, from Genesis chapter 37 through the end of the chapter, the end of the book. And Joseph was a good guy. He had ten brothers that hated him because he was daddy's favorite. And they decided to kill him. And instead of killing him, they sold him as a slave. And so he lived as a slave. And after that, he was put in prison for a crime he didn't commit. And finally, 22 years after he's, he's, he's separated from his family, he gets reunited with him. 22 years separation. And when he's done, he says, he tells his brothers who, who, who initiated the whole thing, you intended this for evil, but God intended it for good. You look at King David, the man who God describes as a man after his own heart. God tells him, I mean, he, he, was, he was just a faithful guy from, from a young age on. He's the guy that was killing sheep, I mean, killing bears and tigers with his, with his bare hands that were protect, you know, to protect the sheep he was a shepherd over. So when he came time to face Goliath, the giant that everybody's afraid of, he killed him too. And God says, you're going to be the next king. Woohoo, you're it. And there's only one problem. There's another king still in, on, on the throne. And he took exception to the fact that David was going to be the next king and ran, chased him around the country trying to kill him. And you think, well, great, finally Saul dies and, and David's king and everything's wonderful. And you see that just this peachy little family. No, he doesn't. Number one, he had more than one wife. That created all kinds of problems. He had stepkids that didn't get along. One, and, and he has one of his children that falls in love with his sister. Okay? And he, he concives this plan and ends up raping his sister. And then he was so disgusted with her, he hated her. And then another brother takes exception to it and murders him. Bad things happen. You look through it, guys. They're there. They are there. Guys, when you look at bad things, and I, I, again, I'm going to try to simplify this as much as happened, but bad things happen the way I see it for three reasons. Okay? First reason is they are natural consequences for my actions. We have to talk about this. You have to realize that a lot of problems we bring on ourselves. 
Why was I 31 before I earned enough money to support a family? Because I was lazy and didn't finish college. And continued to be lazy and kept looking for the easy way out. Instead of learning how to become a productive worker. That's why, Gary, I wasn't cursed by God. It was a consequence for my laziness. There are natural consequences for my actions. Um, look at this passage here in First Peter chapter 4. It should be on the screen. Yes, there we go. It says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. There's the bumper sticker. It goes right after that sentence. Don't be surprised. Instead... Be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it is revealed to all the world. So be happy when you are insulted for being a Christian, for then the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for, a murder, for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to God who created you, for He will never fail you. Guys, if you notice there's this, if you suffer, it shouldn't be as a murderer. It shouldn't be for stealing. It shouldn't be for prying into the affairs of other people. Now, what is he saying there? If you do those things, you are going to suffer. Guys, there is suffering and difficulty are a natural occurrence for ungodly behavior. Did you know that? That's, that's it. Look at this next passage. I'm going to look at these three passages, guys, just to, to emphasize this. In First Peter chapter 2. He says, you, are you who are slaves must accept the authority of your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you. Not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. For God is pleased with you when you do what you know is right and patiently endure unfair treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong. What is he saying? He's telling a slave you should expect to be beat if you've done something wrong. I'm not advocating beatings, all right? Let me be very clear. But he's telling people in the first century that was going on. There were slaves in the first century, all right? And he's telling them, guys, if you're a slave and you've done something wrong and you take a beating, don't be proud of your good attitude. That's what he's telling them. You see, guys... God cares about how I suffer. Do you realize that? And you say, well, what's the point of this? Why do you need to why, do you realize that? Well, you see, guys, this comes into play. When you ask the question of why, why do bad things happen, and you're going through something difficult, and you are suffering, if you realize that you created the situation, guess what that means? You have the power to get out of it. And you have to be able to recognize that. You see, guys, we live in a world where this is a foreign concept. Do you understand this? 
We don't think there should be consequences for our actions these days. As a society, we don't think we think this. Did you hear about the, the death row inmate in Missouri? I don't know if they ended up executing him or not. But, you know, his, they went through his crime, and I don't remember all the details. It was a horrific crime where he killed people, he raped a woman, you know, kept her kidnapped for days. I mean, it was an ugly situation where he had, what he did was just pure evil. And now he's suing, saying, you shouldn't put me to death because the way you're planning on killing me might be painful. No, that's the truth, guys. Listen to the radio. That's every day, every time. That's their last deal. This might hurt. I shouldn't have to suffer consequences like that. I don't care how many people I killed. Guys, that's, and that bleeds over to us. That bleeds over to us. And guys, we need to realize that. We, we, don't, we don't need to be concerned with what the world thinks. We need to be concerned with what God thinks. And guys, I, I, I just I, I can't I, I emphasize this as strongly as I do because I know that this world we live in influences us far more than we want. And we've got to make every effort to align our thoughts with what God says. Okay? Second thing. Second reason. Second reason that bad things happen is to test my faith. Is to test my faith. Remember I like to keep things simple? This passage here, guys, I believe, if you, are, if you have decided that you, if you've committed your life to following Jesus... This verse right here needs to pop up whenever anything bad happens. I mean, it's just, it's, 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 look, look at this. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, I don't know what, what trouble, trial you're dealing with or what difficulty you're dealing with or how you are suffering. But I believe it falls into the category of many kinds. Right? I mean, it's all-encompassing. God really does keep this simple, doesn't He? He goes on, He says, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, guys, what is our number one prayer when something bad happens? Get me out of this! Guys, we, we, we were at the hospital. Most of you know about Jim Simpson and about his illness. If, if you don't know, guys, they, he had some pain. They finally did an MRI. They found holes in his spine. They found tumors. Um, it doesn't look good. They still don't know. This has been about two and a half or three weeks, and they still don't know exactly what is going on. Okay? But it, you get put to the front of the line when they find out this stuff. And we... Cassie, his daughter, was telling us that his attitude was, whatever God wants to do here. If God is glorified through me dying, then that's what it's going to be. I mean, just simply amazing. 
And we were at the hospital with him, and I was telling him, because Tim told you all this three, four weeks ago, and we were visiting him at the hospital, and I said, wow, Tim was really holding you up. I said, man, what a godly attitude to have during this. And he says, don't get me wrong, I've had my moments. And you see, I told you they don't, they don't know what's going on yet. They did a biopsy, and it came back conclusive, inconclusive. And they were, uh, uh, before it officially came back inconclusive, they weren't finding anything. And he says, I'll take a miracle. You know, guys, what, what is it? What is, what's the deal? He, he's, his first attitude is God be glorified. But I'll take a miracle. Guys, how many of us want that completely opposite? How many of us want it completely opposite? Something bad happens and we go, God, give me a miracle. I want a miracle. And what's really bad is when we pray that because of bad things that have happened because of our own consequences. You see, guys, God tests us. Guys, you... You can know this without a doubt. That if you are going through a difficult time, God is testing your faith. And I believe He's testing it even if you're there because of your own consequences. You see, I told you about not being able to support a family until I was 31 because I was lazy. And so I had a decision to make. You see, there was a proverb, Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 23. And when I was 30 and 31 years old, I recited it to myself about every day. Or the Holy Spirit told me about it, reminded me about it. And it says simply this, all hard work brings a profit. But mere talk leads only to poverty. And so I had to decide. My consequences maybe. do you really believe what God says, Gary? Yes, I do. Then you need to work hard. You need to work hard. My faith was being tested even when it was the result of my own consequences. Guys, if it's not a result of your own consequences, your your faith is still being tested. And there's something you need to know, okay? And this gets back to, again, what what do we think about Christianity? You know, do we think this is health and wealth religion? Do we think everything should go well? Here's the thing. God intends for your faith to be tested. Do you know that? It's not just something you, oh, I'm a Christian. We, we just be happy now. Everything's going fine. And we're just going to do everything like we're going to go to church. And we're going to talk to other Christians. And we're going to put money in the play. And we're going to be involved in a ministry. And we're going to help those teenagers go to church camp. And, and, we're, and everything's going to go great. You know, because I'm, I'm not going to sin. I'm going to stay away from sin, at least the bad ones. And I'm good. everything's going to go, wow. And never, hard times are never going to happen. That's not the way it works. God intends. When you, the, you need to understand something else, guys. And this is a whole other lesson all by itself. But when you said, I'm going to trust Jesus, you've declared war. Because you were a member of a different kingdom before you joined the kingdom of God. When you declared allegiance to God, you said, or allegiance to Jesus, you were saying, I am going to join the kingdom of God. And before that, the Bible is very clear, you were in the kingdom of darkness. 
And that kingdom does not like losing people. And the kingdom of darkness is run by a guy named Satan, and he will do everything in his power to say, to get you to lose your faith, to get you to stop believing God. That is what he's after. So you need to know. God intends that's going to happen. Again, it is a natural occurrence once you've decided you want to follow Jesus. Guys, the third reason that I believe bad things happen is is it's a mixture of both. It's a mixture of both things. How do you say that, Gary? How, how is it a mixture of both? Isn't it clear-cut? We don't live in a world that's that simple, I'm sorry to say. As I mentioned earlier, and most of you know, uh, our middle son, Jordan, made a decision to not follow Jesus. And there is no doubt that our faith is being tested. There is no doubt about that whatsoever. Can I tell you that I also believe that I contributed to that decision? Okay, I mean, I just told you earlier, I was a negligent parent. I don't believe that's 100% it. I believe that Satan has targeted Jordan to attack our family. And specifically to attack me and my faith. And will I continue on serving Jesus the way I believe He wants me to, or will I half do it? You see, and guys, that's part of the attack. It's a little thing called guilt. You see, because I have to understand, number one, the forgiveness of Jesus. Number two, Jordan has a free will. And number two, three, there are things at play that I do not, cannot see. The question is, am I going to trust God even though I'm culpable in this situation? Will I allow my faith to be tested and rise to the occasion? See, guys, it, it's not always clear cut. But you need to understand and be able to distinguish. Now, guys, I want to talk about what tests are designed to do. But before we get there, I want to ask you, you know, I, I think our, 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 our view of tests has been distorted Again, by the world we live in, okay? Tests are a very common thing in our lives, are they not? At least if you're under the age of 22. You know, school just got out, and that's what we think about. No more tests, right? And we generally think of tests as what? A pass-fail situation? A make-the-grade situation? You know, and generally, it's make the grade, move on. Correct? I'm done with it. I don't, how many of you have thought, I'll never have to do another algebra problem my whole life? Right? I'm done. I made the grade. You see, guys, that's not the kind of test that we're talking about here. You see, guys, tests are designed to show you where you're at. You understand that? It's not just to say you failed. See, guys, and generally we see tests as only being a classroom type of scenario. 
and we want to make the grade. That grade either does one thing. It tells us, oh, you're a screw-up. You failed. Or it goes, I did it. I know what I'm doing. Tests in the real world are not that way. Okay? Tests in the real world simply show you where you are at. And they show you what needs to be going on. Uh, my oldest son, Jonathan. Is Jonathan here? Hi, Jonathan. Is it okay if I tell that story about you changing the tire the other day? Great. Okay. I was going to tell it anyway, but I have a policy to ask first. So. And I didn't think you'd tell me no. Jonathan had a little test the other day. I don't know. Did you realize it was a test? No, he didn't even realize it was a test. See, that's the thing about tests in the real world. It was a week ago or two weeks ago, Monday night. He gave me a call. And he said, Dad, Emily, Emily's his girlfriend. Emily was driving EJ's car, who was home in Turkey. And it had a flat tire. And so I came up here to change the tire. And I got the tire off. And I got the spare out. And the spare is a full-size tire. But it's bigger than the rest of the tires. Is it okay to drive this? I thought it was very odd that there would be a tire in the trunk bigger than the other three. Okay? And I was just a few minutes away, so I told him, just sit tight. I, I, I'm not thinking straight right now. I'm, I'm headed home. I'll be right by there. I'll go. So after I found the place, and I, got the t- I already thought to think, I thought, that's, that's not any different, you know. Of course it's smaller than the one he took off. It was flat, right? And, or, you know, and I, was gonna, I already had a plan to roll it up by next to one of the other tires and go, what's the difference, you know? This is what dads love to do. And so I get there, and now the problem has changed. It's not that the tire's too big. It's that the lug nuts don't line up with the rim. Okay? Now, it's the kind where the lug nuts have the bolt on it, so there's holes in the hub, and there's holes in the tire, and they won't line up. And I explained to them, I said, you know, on, on expensive wheels, they do offset one of the holes so that you can't steal them and put them on another car. That's common. So you do have to have them lined up correctly. And apparently this rim is, again, doesn't line up. And then I get thinking, that ain't the case. You know, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't put that rim in there. I mean, it's possible, but unlikely. And so I get to figure figure what's going on. I say, let me try this. And I lean down and I say, son, would you jack that car up a little bit? And he says, dad... It's jacked to the perfect height. Chris, do you know what that means? Chris is a union mechanic. I've never heard the perfect height. And so you can, it does, it does. It fits on, it touches the ground. It fits on the hub. The only problem is you can't spin it, you know. And so uh, I proceeded, you know, I said, said, would you just jack it up? So he gets it upwards off the ground, and then I spin it one deal, and they all line up. And I thought, I don't realize what the problem is here. And my wife is there by that time, and she says, go ahead and say it, dear. I've got a little saying. I say, that's, it's what I do. That's what I'm here for. And so I got to say it. He finished the job, got the tire on. And now I ask you, did Jonathan fail the test? Well, it depends. It depends. If the test was he changes his girlfriend's tire by himself, fail. See, that's, the, young, the young people say you screwed up. Fail. Epic fail, right? Fail. 
He did. Guys, it depends on how you look at it. It depends on how you view the test. Jonathan didn't fail. You think about it. He got to a point he didn't know what to do, and what did he do? Ask for help. He asked Dad for help. That's not a fail. He asked for help. Did he get the job done? Yes. Did he learn anything from it? (laughs) The perfect height is a little higher. He, you know, and ultimately, guys, we, ultimately, you, we may not need, I mean, I'm sure he will now, but you won't know if he failed until next time he goes to change a tire. You see, because if next time he goes to change a tire and he calls me up, he says, Dad, I'm changing the tire, and this tire's bigger than the other three. And the lug nuts won't, won't, won't line up, and I've jacked it to the perfect height. <laughs> yeah, he's failed. You see, guys, we have to redefine understanding what a test is. Tests simply tell you where you're at. And we have to redefine failure, guys. Failure does not mean that I don't perform the way I expect to or the way somebody else expects me to. Guys, what failure, I believe what failure, you only fail is if you fail to learn from the situation. If you fail to take something from it and apply it later on in your life, then you failed. You see, guys, when we talk about a test, that's what we're talking about. When your faith is being tested, it's to show you where you're at. And that's the first thing here. A test is to reveal. It shows me the true depth of my faith. It shows me the true depth of my faith. And you see, guys, for that to happen, the test has to get bigger and bigger. Do you realize that? You see, guys, my faith is to impact every area of my life. Do you know that? Your faith is not supposed to just affect your language, okay, in meaning that you don't use the wrong words. It's not just supposed to affect what you do on Sunday morning. It's not just supposed to affect how well you follow the laws of this land and that you won't murder anybody or steal from them. It's not just supposed to affect your marriage in the sense of you don't get divorced. Guys, your faith touches every area of your life. Every area of your life. And you see, guys, that's what test does. When your faith is tested, do you know what usually happens? God is going, your faith isn't touching this area of your life yet. Um... And that's maybe because you've never had to experience it before. You've never had to experience what the test is is all about. See, guys, here in Psalms 139, David writes, and he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. See, guys, this is, this is some real maturity here in a follower of Jesus. He's asking for the test. <laughs> Has anybody ever done that? That's rare, guys. Because like I just said, when we get tested, we want to go, help, get me out of this. David is saying what? See, guys, that's the blessing that, God, that David desires. He desires to God to bless him by showing him where his faith is deficient. See, guys, your faith is tested when you have to decide if you're going to really hang on to what God says. If you're really going to believe what God says. I talk about my... I, I, I've had a, a vision statement for my life for some time. And ultimately what it is is, God, I want to be the man you want me to be. I want to be a man of faith that helps people around me to be people of faith. I want to trust you. I want to commit things to you. I want to seek you. And let me tell you, you know, when we talk about my son Jordan, we, we've had questions about Jordan, about his faith for some time. You know, his fruit would go one way. He'd have some wonderful fruit that says, wow, look at him. And then he'd have fruit to go, wow, look at him. And I can tell you, let me, a prayer that I have prayed for Jordan numerous times over the last year and a half. And it was something like this. I would say, God, I know you don't need my permission, but I'm giving you my permission. Meaning, I'm okay if you do this. And I say, God, I want you to do whatever is necessary to get my son's attention. I want you to knock him off dead center. And I told him, I said, God, you know, I don't want Jordan in a wheelchair. But if it takes an accident in a wheelchair for you to have his heart, I'm okay with that. I prayed that prayer five days before he told us of his decision. Do I really trust God? I'm finding out. Because, guys, I believe that God's answering that prayer. I believe that God said, okay, we're going to let Jordan go. And now I have a decision to make. Am I going to trust God with my son? I've given him permission to do what he needs to do. And quite frankly, I don't really like what's going on right now. And God is saying, let's test that. Let's test that. Guys, he's answering the prayer. You see, guys, tests remind me of the goal. As a follower of Jesus, the goal that we have for our lives is to become like Jesus. Did you know that? 
That is the goal. Romans 8, 28 and 29, this is what it says. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son, so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God, this says that in everything God works. Again, back to what I was saying about God being simple. God works in everything. What part of your life does that not include? He is trying to work in every aspect of your life if you've committed your life to Jesus. And it's for one reason. It says it right there in verse 29. For God knew in His people, He chose them to become like His Son. In everything that's going on in your life, God is giving you an opportunity. He is working for you to become like Jesus. That is what He's doing, guys. Tests reveal it, and they show us where we're not like Jesus. I have a little saying. It's a rather annoying saying. At least after you've heard it the first time. I use it a lot around my house. And it's when somebody's complaining or going through a difficult time. And do you know what I say? Sounds like a growth opportunity. Why is that annoying? Because we really don't want to grow, do we? We want things to be, be easy for us. I want to be like Jesus, but I don't want to ever be stretched. Guys, tests reveal to you where you are not like Jesus. They show you how you are not like Jesus, and they call you to become like Jesus. See, you know, back to Jonathan's tire situation, the goal wasn't to get the tire on. My goal wasn't to help get the tire on. My goal was to teach my son. My goal was, God has a goal for you. And it's for you to be like Jesus. And guys, I'll just to be honest with you, I don't have it in the passage. If you want to go look at Hebrews 12 all by yourself, I really encourage you to do it. Because basically this is what it says. God loves you so much that He allows hard times to train you. He just, basically he's saying, He will not allow you to remain immature. And He allows difficult times to train you because He loves you the way a father loves his son. Guys, that's what's going on there. Second thing, guys, and I know I'm pushing my time here, of tests, is test or refine, to refine. Test, reveal, and test, refine. They take my faith to deeper levels. They take my faith to deeper levels. Guys, God does not intend for your faith to stay right where it's at. And so if you don't take it to a deeper level yourself, He'll call you there. Or He'll allow it to be tested. Because He doesn't want you to stay where you're at. Look at this in James, chap James chapter 1. We already looked at this. Let's go on to the next passage in 1 Peter 1. 
It says, in all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by the fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. What is he saying these trials come for? So that they can prove the genuineness of my faith. Guys, do you want to have, does anybody want to have a fake faith? A superficial faith? Or do you want to have a real faith? You see, guys, sometimes we read the stories of the Bible and we see about Abraham leaving his family and moving to a foreign country with just his wife and his nephew. And then we read about him, you know, where God's promised to make him a, a, a father of a mighty nation of people. You know, his descendants are more numerous than the sands. Of, along the, on the oceans, and he said, and then he tells him, go kill your, I, I want you to sacrifice your son to me. And we go, hey, I'm glad he's never going to ask me that. Those are, you know, just stories for us to understand. And he don't ask people to make situations, like, make steps of faith like that. Guys, can I tell you, he does. He does. He wants to refine your faith. You see, guys, I want God to change my circumstances. God wants to change my character. That's what He's after. And specifically, He wants me to have a character of faith that trusts Him no matter what's going on. If you want to make a note just of Second Peter 1, verses 5-9, through 9, you can go look at it on your own. It reaffirms this fact that God expects our faith to be ever-increasing. Guys, as we close out today, I, I just... I just want to ask you, do you really want to see things the way God wants you to see them? Because when you ask the question of why are bad things happening, He will tell you. He will show you. And next week, guys, I'm going to share it in a little more specific way about what that means. And I use myself as a primary example. Gary, you know, I've talked about I'm being tested. What does that mean, Gary? How are you being tested? How are you responding to that test? Because I think that's where the rubber meets the road, guys. Faith means that you look at what God has to say and you believe it enough to take specific action on it. And next week, that's what we're going to do. You want to know how do you deal with difficult times? How do you deal with something that you feel is unjust in your life and is difficult and is painful and it seemingly has no reason for we're going, to, we're going to look at practically how you do that. How do you handle the test? And guys, I encourage you to do that. Guys, today as we close out, I just want to again reiterate. Do you want to see what God wants you to see? When you ask that question of why, do you really want to know the answer? Because He will show you. He will show you where He wants your faith tested. Let's pray and we'll be done.